Welcome to episode 296 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, our final one for 2023, we present the 8th Annual Rugby League Republic Awards. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. What a momentous occasion, the 8th Annual Rugby League Republic Awards and music fitting for that occasion. Welcome, everyone, to episode 296 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. And before we begin, Tish, we wanted to dedicate this episode to Tina Turner, a legend of the game who never actually played the game but changed it forever in the 1980s and 1990s. Rest in peace, Tina, on behalf of everyone in the Rugby League Republic. Tish, how are you going? We are here, the final episode of 2023, where we hand out awards left, right and centre, just like Oprah Winfrey, but with no financial benefits. How are you going today? Well, Tina Turner, simply the best. Uh, no argument, but yes, but yes, we want to pay tribute to her. But look, I'm doing well, Sir Dr. T, uh, just letting everybody know on this uh, awards night that I've been, uh, you know, dressed by a new, young and up-and-coming Designer Johnny Big, um, and uh, at uh, you know, at, at Mr. Big from Tajay as well. But look, uh, yeah, look, what what a great season 2023 ha- has had. Um, well, we've had in rugby league, uh, it's been uh, an epic one. Um, and I think you know, I think a great season, or uh, not just for like the on field, but I think also in terms of uh, the fandom around rugby league, and I think definitely getting bigger and, and better. But I, I, I've been well. But how you been, Doctor T? I look very good. And if you're asking, I'm dressed by Lowe's uh, today. <laughs> yep, <laughs> traditional <laughs> league designers, I think Lowe's. That's right. That's right. Um, look, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. And you know, look, without any further ado, let's jump into it. I'm going to explain what this is all about for those of you that are new to this. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll get stuck into it. So, look, 2023 is the eighth year of the formation of the Rugby League Republic. It's fitting that we're going to take a look back at the year gone by and and award those citizens of the Republic, players and otherwise, who have contributed to the growth and continued glory of the Republic, not just in Australia but throughout the world. This year we have a total of 14 awards, including one new award. So here we go. Without any further ado, let's jump into it. So the first award we have is the Imperator Destinatus Award, which means destined to be emperor, and it's awarded to the best rookie in rugby league, so the player destined to be the best. So we've had uh, quite a, uh, uh, an array of um, a very prestigious array of winners in the past. Last year's winner was Joseph Swali'i, um, and we've also had Sam Walker, Harry Grant, Dylan Brown, 
Jermaine Izaka and Nick Cottridge as previous winners. This year, Tish, uh, so as we normally do, we are going to put our nominations forward. And uh, if we agree, then that player or or whoever individual becomes the winner by default. If not, however, we will engage in a uh, good old-fashioned Republic debate <laughs> to see who will be crowned the winner of that award. So Imperator Desonatus, Tish, who is your nomination? Well, look, I'm just going to uh, bring a few honourable mentions before I do it. So, uh, look, Jacob Preston uh, from the Canterbury Bulldogs and H-back rower, you know, with a, a good work rate and also being able to find the trial line and uh, a winger as well from the Titans, uh, Khan Pereira. Uh, I think it's Alphonse, Alfonio, um, but I remember he still got some, di- some dynamic tries. Uh, but look, I'm actually going to look towards my own team, and I, I want to nominate Jerome Buller. Now I know the Tigers finished last this year, but I think Jerome Buller has been the exciting uh, part of the West Tigers, and he's shown in many occasions uh, how much of a talent he is. Uh, just you know, shining above everybody else, and I think also uh, you know towards the end of the season, representing his country of Fiji and being able to. Uh, you know, also excel very well there as well and being a, a threat. So I really like uh, Jareen Bullard. I think he is des- destined to be a, a really good player in the future and, you know, a, a basketball convert as well. So Jareen Bullard is my nomination. How about yours, Dr. T? Well, I've gone Fijian as well. I've gone Sunia Turuva, who uh, obviously featured in the uh, championship, premiership winning Penrith Panthers lineup at centre. I thought he had a great year this year. He also did quite well in the the recent Fiji uh, games and the mm. Pacific Cup, uh, Pacific Bowl, sorry, tournament. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, look, I think he's just. I look, it's difficult to argue this one because he was a a very solid player who did some very good things, especially uh, even in the grand final. I think he did a a couple of very good things, but in a in a in a very solid system of the Penrith Panthers that, that is built for success versus your um, nomination. Is it Jareem Buller from the Tigers, uh, a standout, you know, a very easy standout compared to, you know, the the shambles that a lot of the rest of the team was this year. Um, it's difficult to compare, but Tish, uh, what do you think? Do we land on yeah. the side of the player that really stood out head and shoulders and was really an excitement machine for the Tigers versus someone who was, you know, kept up with and in many ways overshadowed uh, some of the other players in a premiership winning lineup. What do you think? Yeah, look, this is going to be very difficult because, like, uh, as you said, right, like, it's, okay, so you'd say that Jareem definitely shines more than uh, Teruvia, right? However, very hard to shine when you're playing for the Penrith Panthers, right, uh, who are now on three in a row. So, so I, like that's that's a little harsh to sort of judge it on that. Then I'm also thinking, like you know, this this award is is not just about who had a great season as a rookie, but also who is more likely to to sort of shine in the future, right? And this is where I think uh, Taruva sort of wins it for me. Now. I'm just thinking because he um, has got a better chance of shining because you have to find you know players who have a great season, but with a team that doesn't do well. Um, they sometimes get uh, forgotten, right? Um, and I think that's 
that could be a bit of a, a problem for Jareem, right? Uh, you know, the Tigers have to play better with him in future years, and he has to be a standard in that for him to sort of shine. Uh, otherwise, you know, it sort of gets lost a little bit. Whereas Taruva, you know, still staying in the Panther system, he's probably going to have a more of a role. Uh, in in future years because, you know, obviously Stephen Crichton's moved on and, you know, so he's got a better chance of actually becoming more of a household name than what Jareem has at the moment. So, look, let's give it... Oh, I, I'm happy to concede this one, Dr. T. Why don't we go to River for you? Well, I, well funnily enough, I was almost going to suggest the opposite. <laughs> so, oh. <actually. laughs> so, the re- very interesting that we're having this debate. So, look, I, I actually think that, you know, it is hard to tell. It's hard to tell whether someone in a system is going to learn good habits and unlearn bad habits versus someone who shines in a very poor system at the moment. However, there are going to be changes to that system very soon and hopefully uh, an upward trajectory for the Tigers. Um, now, Jareem Buller, is he – let me just check. Is he actually Fijian or is he a New Zealand Kiwi? Uh, am I mistaken? I'm, I'm just double-checking that. Do you know for sure if he's a if he's a Fijian or? I, I know he's he's eligible for Queensland, <laughs> and he's because and he's, that's, that's virtually everyone. Yeah, so so so. Uh, I think he's from New Zealand. I think New he's Zealand. from New Zealand. He's, he's a New Zealand rugby league footballer who plays fullback for the West Tigers. Ball was born in New Zealand. Uh, now somehow to both an Indigenous Australian and a Fijian descent, and but then he played his first. Uh, you know, junior game after the age of thirteen for Keeper Park in, in Queensland. Keeper Park. That's um. Is that the Benji Marshall, famous Benji Marshall breeding ground? Yeah, there? I think it is. Yeah, it, it is. It is. So, so there look, you go. I think if you look, and and not only that, I think Buller also has obviously New Zealand and Samoan heritage. So look, he's got all. He's pretty much got all bases covered. Plus, in he's Pacific indigenous Park. as well, right? Indigenous Australian Fiji. So he's got a bit of everything. Look, I. I actually think um, initially when I picked Taruva, it was kind of obvious because, you know, if you look at the stats, he, he won the rookie of the the Dalian rookie of the year, which is obviously going to give you uh, a bit of a, an advantage when it comes to the the very prestigious uh, Rugby League Republic Awards. But it doesn't guarantee you that you win. And I think I I guess uh, now that I think about it, Jareem Buller had many more kind of standout. Uh, I guess, uh, appearances for the Tigers when, uh, you know, in, in losing sides, he was often almost always the best player. And that doesn't always get you the most points in Dally M. Like you do get one point here and there, but often you don't at all. And so, and I think to your point about who's going to get forgotten the quickest, it's probably going to be the player that is just a good solid system player as opposed to someone who, has the pressure on him, etc. Don't forget, if he's eligible for the Kiwis, the Kiwis have just won the Pacific Cup and under Michael Maguire are going to do great things in the near future. So I, I, I'm I, going to guess that, that Jareem Boulay is actually, you know, the li- the most likely to make an impact in, in future years. So I'm I'm actually going to side with you. Jareem Buller, I'm happy to give that to him. <laughs> <laughs> we, swapped, we swapped allegiances. This is unbelievable. But no, look, let's. I think so. I think definitely Jareem Buller, uh, you know, showed the most promise this year in a in a very difficult situation, and I think that counts for more in this situation. So, yeah, do you agree, okay. Jareem Buller? Let's do that, Jareem Buller. Yeah. Congratulations, congratulations, the Imperator yes. Destinatus Award. 
is yours. Well done. Well done. We don't have a, a, an audience here, so we can't clap. So, so cheers. Yeah, I don't know. We go, uh, <laughs> hail. Hail. No, no, don't. Uh, no, we don't do that. All right, yeah. <laughs> we don't do that. It's not that kind of republic. All right. The next award is the Augustus Award. Now, Augustus meaning majestic or venerable. It's derived from the Latin augure, which means to increase. And this award is uh, is to the most improved player in rugby league. So we have, again, quite a, a prestigious uh, honour roll here. Last year's winner, Nico Hines. Before that, we had Tommy Trevojevic, Ryan Pappenheisen, Mitchell Moses, Damien Cook, and Michael Morgan. So, again, most improved player. Um, my tip, or my, uh, my not so much tip, my nomination is Hamizo Fido from the Dolphins. I think this year he showed um, he was an integral part of the Dolphins in their debut year. But not only that, I thought he was absolutely dominant at state of origin level. And, uh, you know, not just in a entertaining sense, he brought the, you know, the hammer, the dolphin kind of uh, mm. symbol when he scored the, the post try celebration um, became his, but he was actually really, especially at Origin level, very strong, and um, you know was also showed a lot of promise and a lot of um, yeah, a, a, a lot of uh, uh, individual brilliance as well. So, and which, given how well the Queenslanders played this year, I thought. Uh, that says a lot about him, and you know he came from nowhere. I mean, I know he was already well known, but there's no way that you could say this year wasn't his breakout year, in my view. So uh, that's my nomination. What about you, Tish? Well, just to say, this is uh, I'm, I've gone a different route yeah, this year because I'm, I'm going to name a player who's kind of already a superstar name, right? But there was question marks over whether he was playing to his potential. And funnily enough, this player decided not to play Origin this year, uh, you know, and, uh, which he's done in previous years, and focused more on his club footy. And then their team had their biggest winning, uh, you know, season, um, you know, up and like, you know, since they've last won the premiership. So in my mind, uh, I think the person that I've seen the biggest increase on is Kalen Ponga. So I think Kalen Ponger has gone from potential superstar to an out-and-out superstar. Um, I think he's carried Newcastle well as a captain as well. Um, he seems to be a lot more in the game. He seems to be a lot more uh, aggressive in the game. I know there was another player that we're going to be talking about, but I think uh, he's he you know, will probably uh, feature in another world. But I think for me, if I think about, um, you know, uh, you know uh, like Kalen Ponger, who he was in 2022 and who he was in 2023, I could definitely see an increase in in his, uh, you know, um, maybe not so much ability, but just more about how he's been able to realise his manifest de- destiny. Well, I mean, you make a very strong case there. Um, I guess the only pushback I would have to that, uh, to your nomination would be, uh, look, Kalen Ponga was already at that point, the beginning of the year, one of the highest paid players in the game. And so I don't, I kind of see him like easily would have been in the top three or four Mm. highest paid players. In fact, he might even be top two at the moment, um, just behind Nathan Cleary. Um, And I think that's because of his previous kind of performances. And I, for that reason, I would say, look, the hammer, I think came out of nowhere uh, yeah. This year, and I think he yeah, even achieved a kangaroo's birth. So 
I think, um, yeah, put all that together, I, I still strongly think that the Hammer should get this. What do you think? Am I, have I convinced you? Uh, look, I think you have because if I, you know, really look at the Hammer, actually, like I think that um, obviously he had to move to a new franchise in the Dolphins this year because, you know, his spot for the Cowboys was kind of in jeopardy uh, in 2022, right? So he had to move there. And I think even in the first few seasons, like just playing fullback, I thought this guy's obviously a center. But then, you know, moving him to fullback, he was an absolute, revelation right and probably if you look at all the exciting tries this season uh, a lot of them would probably feature the hammer so i think he's become yeah and i think he is an absolute superstar he's got a great nickname um you know people like he's got that little celebration that he does with the shark fin i think it is so um yeah definitely got the you know the uh the cult the cult figure status going and um yeah representing australia too representing queensland for the first time i mean yeah I think he's defined what a breakout season means, right, <laughs> this year. So, yeah, look, let's give it to the Hammer. I think uh, all hail the Hammer. Congratulations, the Augustus Award winner, Hamizo Fido. Well done. All right, next award. This is a new award. So we're going to have an inaugural winner, and this is the Renaissance Award, and Renaissance, which means rebirth, is awarded to the best comeback player in rugby league. Now, I know we've talked about this in our crystal ball tips. Each year we talk about who do we think is going to make a comeback, but we've never actually converted this to an actual Rugby League Republic prestigious award, annual award. And this year we thought, why not introduce it? Um, We do have a few that we can think of, and one in particular I think as our inaugural winner. But, Tish, um, look, without any further ado, I think mm. we both agree on this one. But yeah. do we have any honourable mentions before we want to mention who our inaugural winner is? Yeah. So a player, like, who's sort of been a bit of a journeyman and, you know, who's who's been great and has sort of come back to it. Um, well, well, look, I, sp- I, th- I suppose the only one that I could think of right now that uh, sort of long way down the list, though, is actually Kieran Foran, uh, but only for his heroics in New Zealand, right? So, um, but that could ever be that could be his last game ever. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so not really an honourable mention. So no, no, yeah, no honourable mention. No, no, Kieran Four. I think Kieran Four is a good one, and I think um, another one I'm thinking of is uh, look, Adam Reynolds. <laughs> actually, mm. he uh, he became very important at the end of the year. Now it's a mini comeback because I think he's already yeah. been at a high level for a while, but. Um, you know, I mean, this is someone that was kind of written off and then had to, he was basically forced to go to the Broncos. Didn't really have much of an impact last year because they didn't do so well, but this year, massive impact and, and almost kind of snatched it in the, in the grand final as well, led them to a, a almost unassailable lead, but for that amazing comeback by the Panthers. So Adam Reynolds, I think, deserves an honourable mention. But I think, mm-hmm. um, and while there may be others, I think it's very clear this year which player stood head and shoulders above all other players uh, in, in terms of, you know, someone who had was almost a forgotten man, um, you know, changed uh, change country, changed club, um, back to his roots in New Zealand. And I'm talking, of course, about Sean Johnson, who this year at the Warriors really took his game to another level. It was a shame at the end that he wasn't there to yeah. uh, to, to help them get over the line. But, um, but yeah, with him there, they could have been, who knows, they could have, could, we could have had a different result. 
um, absolutely with the Warriors. So that it's he's that kind of a player, um, you know. And we also saw, you know, the other thing is as well. He is so important to New Zealand, the Kiwis, but they didn't really need him, which is very interesting. But who knows how dangerous they're going to be with him in the near future? Mm. Um, you know, they, they could definitely use his his uh, his skills. And the other thing about his comeback story is it isn't just that he's all of a sudden, you know, got a new lease on life and and he's just played better this year. He's actually played a different role, and I think we've talked about this in the past this year. He hasn't been the usual kind of, um, you know, he, remember he's a player that came from touch footy and so yeah. he was renowned for having kind of silky, smooth, agility, kind of akin to a Benji Marshall and not much else. Whereas this year he actually took his halfback game to another level. He became, you know, he still has that X factor. He still has that ability to break the line but he actually turned into a little on-field general. You know, his kicking game was almost second to none. Um, he, You know, and that's towards the end of the year. You could tell the reason why the Warriors got as far as they did into the finals was because of his kicking game. Um, and also he just managed to kind of control the game, control the flow, calm them down, you know, as captain, um, you know, really got them... The Warriors, the young Warriors in particular, kind of, uh, uh, you know, led them around the park very well. So for that yeah, reason, yeah. he's he truly is a renaissance player in the sense that he almost was born almost in a different kind of uh, – his comeback is as a different type of player, which is really amazing. This is not a – like I yeah. said, not just a new new player, new new confidence um, it's literally he has changed his game, and I think for that, a well-deserved winner. Tish, what are your thoughts on Sean Johnson? Well, absolutely, and, I, and look, and I heard some people say, like, sort of point this out that you know the the Warriors have actually got quite a number of halfbacks. Um, so I think the plan was to have Johnson in and around the club, maybe even, for, even force him into an early retirement, and have him more as a, a bit of a, an elder statesman uh, mentor, right? Because, you know, he was at the Sharks as once was a warrior. Uh, and then now he's, uh, you know, and then like, you know, he had to go back, like, you know, he wanted to go back type thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, and then so like, but look, what's happened uh, is that, you know, they've formed a real good brotherhood there in New Zealand, right? Almost like a group of, uh, a group of men who are, you know, trying to, uh, trying to get to Mordor to protect this ring. Right, you know, a, a fellowship <laughs> of of some sort, um, but you know what's turned out is that Sean Johnson is he's a king in New Zealand. It's the return of the king uh, in 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 New Zealand. So look, I think I think he's he's done fantastic because he's not just gone from the mentorship role. He's become basically, uh, you know, he's become the glue in the middle type thing. And I think it's also going to be great for these young halfbacks. I think he, he, I, I could definitely see him transition to a mentorship role. It's like with him and Adam Reynolds as well, right? Like, I think it's a very similar story to what's happening in Brisbane. So, I think, you know, what what a great what a great season the Warriors have had, and I think that Sean Johnson, uh, I, I don't think we should underestimate the part that he has played, um, and and that part is is being a Renaissance. So, uh, you know, well done to Sean Johnson, Renaissance Man of the Year, Rugby League Republic, eighth annual. Good on you. Well done, Sean. All right, the Invictus Award is the next one. This Invictus, meaning unconquered, is awarded to the best defender 
in rugby league. So in previous years, we've had Dylan Edwards, Isaiah Yo, Damien Cook two times, James Sadesco, and then Jake Friend two times. So we've had this award, I think, since the very beginning of, of this, uh, or almost at the beginning. Um, look, this year, I think, look, there's a few honourable mentions here. If you look at the stats for defending and you're looking for the, uh, the obvious stats around, say, a uh, number of tackles, you'll see players like Harry Grant, uh, Damien Cook is up there as well. Um, if you see things like charge downs, you're going to see Sean Lane there topping the leaderboard. Um, if you look at intercepts as an as a mark of a good defender, then Dullin Watnezelesniak is the winner there with five. But none of these things, I guess the thing with the defending award is it's not mm. just about the stats because uh, I believe if you look at the stats as well, the number in the top ten of most tackles is a player who in the Bulldogs, formerly of the Eels, Reed Marnie, also tops the missed tackles. So, you know, number of tackles doesn't mean you're the best defender because it just means you're you're constantly there, which, you know, nothing to be sneezed at, but still um, that doesn't mean you're the most feared defender or, or the most uh, consistent defender. So a lot of this is really subjective. And I think it's what's very interesting is that Tish and I have both independently thought this out very carefully. You know, I was tempted to go with Isaiah Yo as, as a... Uh, Honourable mention, like I said, Harry Grant is up there as well. He's had a good reputation this year as being a solid defender, even at origin level. But in my mind, there is one player that um, that kind of stands above everyone else and has been a consistent kind of uh, force for uh, a team that made it to the grand final and also won, uh, he won himself a, a state of origin shield this year. And that is none other than Patrick Carrigan from the Broncos, who we think... We both agreed, actually, independently, Tish, didn't we, that yeah. Patrick Carrigan this year, for some reason, he's just had that aura of, you know, being a great defender. Um, you know, he's also – it's a kind of inspirational defender. He's not just uh, doing the hard yards and, and he's not necessarily giving the biggest hits, but he is actually uh, inspirational and inspiring to his teammates. Um, very rarely, I think, gives penalties away in the ruck as well in, in his very – careful from what i've seen to kind of pull some of his players up so that they don't stay too long on on the on the attacking player and thereby give a penalty away so he's got a bit of a you know 200 iq about him as well when it comes to mm. defending and that really kind of puts him a bit of uh, in a higher echelon compared to other defenders who who are just workhorses but not necessarily smart defenders so yeah um that's my view what about you tish about patrick carrigan yeah, well, look, I think I think for Terry's, I think uh, yes, he's a great defender on his own, but I think he's a great defensive organizer too, right? I, I think that you know, I think he kind of leads the defense when it comes to like keeping it organized, making sure that you know players are marked properly, um, you know, and you know, I think he sort of sets the line in defense type thing, and um, you know, and uh, I believe he was voted uh, you know NRL player most unlikely to fall for a dummy pass. Um, so you know he could he could he also knows, uh, you know when when to anticipate a pass and when not to, um, and I think that's a skill that's very under uh, appreciated, right? So you don't want to be tackling people on suspicion. Uh, but look, you know you don't really hear Patrick Carrigan's name 
you know, come up in too many uh, judiciary, for, you know, for like, you know, sloppy tackles or anything like that. Um, but we, you do, what you do see is you see somebody who's like leading the way in tackle counts, affecting tackle counts. Um, you know, a good player in attack as well, plays 80 minutes week in, week out. And, you know, um, when Australia lost by its biggest ever and Patrick was in the game, I think he only got 20, 25 minutes. So, um, you know, maybe maybe he should have played on for a little bit longer if Mal wanted a more uh, starch in his defence. So, you know, well done, uh, Defender of the Year, uh, Patrick Harrigan. That's right, the Invictus Award winner. Well done, Patrick Carrigan. All right, moving on to the Tetrarchy Awards. The Tetrarchy, meaning the leadership of four, is the award that we give to the best spine in rugby league. That is fullback, 5'8", halfback, and hooker. Uh, we have had the Panthers winning uh, this award for two years running. Uh, obviously, their spine has been really strong, but has been, uh, well, with Appy leaving the mm. Panthers, I think that kind of um, diminishes this tetrarchy. Uh, you know, it doesn't diminish the fact that they still won the premiership, but but yeah. it, it's less so because of the spine, I think, compared to other reasons. Um, we've also had the Storm and the Roosters being previous winners. Um, so this is a pretty prestigious award, but this year I think we both agree, uh, Tish, we've gone for uh, a different team, a team that hasn't featured at all, hasn't won, a war, won this award at all yet. Um, but we thought this year they were very much the reason, this spine, uh, the reason for the success of uh, of this team, the Broncos we're talking about. So we're talking Reese Walsh, Ezra Mam, Adam Reynolds and Billy Walters. I think we saw in the grand final uh, the value of each and every one of those players. You know, Ezra Mam, yeah. he got a hat trick. They still lost. Adam Reynolds played his heart out, you know, almost led them to an unassailable lead. Um, Reese Walsh, well, you can't, what can you say about Reese Walsh? He's just exploded out of the blocks and probably should have been a bit of a, um, a bit of an honorable mention for one of our previous awards as well. Uh, but I'm sure he'll get up there as well in the future. He's, he's just been so dangerous this year. Um, Billy Walters as well, a, a bit of a forgotten player there, um, son of Kevin Walters, but really, um, you know, he, solid and and also uh, a bit creative as well around the ruck. I've seen a few few tries where he's just ducked out from dummy half, caught the defence napping, does exactly what you expect him to do, but really it's the... Uh, it's the other three that really bring this tetrarchy to the fore and have done so well and almost almost got a premiership but for the heroics of uh, Nathan Cleary and the Panthers. So I think we agree. Tish, um, do you have anything else to add about the Broncos? Well, look, uh, I also, because uh, my theory about the spine is that it's not a four-man spine, it's a five-man spine because you need to include the lock. So who do we include in the Broncos? Patrick Carrigan, right? And then uh, still very, very strong, right? And then, um, you know, the, the, you know uh, look, with the Panthers, I think the Panthers, uh, I, I was going to think about them because, I, I look, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think they're that, uh, I know with Appy gone, it, it sort of diminishes a little bit. And I think they've had some good replacements in there. Um, but I just think that the, like, yeah, grand final, yes, they lost, not by many, but they all stood out, didn't they? So, um so I, th- I, th- I think the Broncos definitely showed, and I think this is why the Broncos versus the Panthers clashes are going to be exciting because it is really two really good spines, and I think they're probably ahead of every other club as well. They're really, they're really. I was thinking, do we put the Warriors in there? But you know, they kind of, 
you know, you really, really know. But yeah, I, look, so I, I think I think the Broncos win it hands down. So well done to the Broncos. Well done, Tetrarchy Award winners. All right, moving on to the Centurion Award. Centurion meaning soldier is awarded to the most tireless workhorse in rugby league. Um, previous winners we've had, well, we've not only have had players, we've even had Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk winning it in 2021. Yeah, <laughs> we've had we've had James Sadesco, Damian Cook, Josh Papali, Jake Trebojevich, and Jason Tamalolo. This year, look, honourable mention must go to Patrick Carrigan. We just spoke about him twice, actually, and that one of his defining features is he is a bit of a tireless workhorse. But I think there are other players this year that that kind of stood up in that regard. And my nomination for this award is uh, none other than Liam Martin from the Panthers. I think he. Um, you know, he first of all, he looks like a workhorse. <laughs> he just looks like <laughs> he just he just looks like he's if he hasn't got a, an eyebrow stitched up or something, he just looks like he's a he's completely bruised and battered in every game. Um, but look, workhorse doesn't necessarily mean defender. It's also someone who can, I guess, in this case, turn out on both defense and attack. And I think. Mm. What I've seen from Liam Martin, um, you know, at origin level, especially, but also at Panthers at club level, um, and now also at Australian level, that, you know, he's the kind of player that is actually really important to the attack of of your team, not just the defense. Uh, and, you know, after having gone through lots of tackles and, and been up there in terms of the top tackles, top tacklers of your team, um, you can expect Liam Martin to be out there you know, when there's a break on and you've got a, a last, you know, a try to put the, the you know, put the result to bed um, or a try to sort of, you know, make a bit of a comeback as we saw with New South Wales in the in origin, um, you can rely on Liam Martin. And to me, uh, the Centurion Award, he typifies that kind of a player where, you know, in defence, in attack, whatever you need, he'll be there. He's just going at a million miles an hour and putting in the effort. And inevitably, he's the last man standing, as a true soldier is. Uh, you know, fitness, all that stuff, he pushes through the pain barrier and is always there at the end. So Lee Martin, for me, is the nomination for the Centurion Award. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I've gone a little bit uh, left field because we don't normally can, yeah, think of him as like a work rate type player. But I've actually gone with Harry Grant. And uh, the reason why I've chosen Harry is because he actually leads in, uh, you know, the, the most tackles this year, which uh, a lot of people would be surprised at because you don't really, we don't really talk about Harry Grant's tackling ability. Uh, but he's also had the most, I think, dummy half runs and, you know, second when it comes to all receipts type thing. So, you know, he is a player that is always in the game. Uh, when he's on there, which is amazing. And he doesn't always play the full 80 minutes too. So it looks like when he's on, he's definitely doing everything, right? And then on top of that, I feel like, you know, not only does he have that ability to do a lot while he's out there, he also seems to also, uh, you know, be the the guy that will create the magic play, right? So he's also, a, a, you know, a really good rugby league player when it comes to, you know, uh, setting up, uh, attacks and and you know like being the last pass like you know so the you know the assists and then even scoring on his own um so i just feel like wow like you know we always talk about how much of a an attacking we- weapon he is but he's also got a tireless work rate when it comes to attack and defense 
So that's why I think that maybe Harry Grant is uh, is the uh, you know the workhorse uh, hidden within the yeah you know, the dynamite. Well, I mean, I I would say my pushback to that, my slight pushback to that is that um, you know, first of all, yes, he does. He's a he's a workhorse for sure. Um, I think though, what we've seen, especially at like Origin level. Is that he doesn't usually play? He's more of an impact player rather than, mm. you know, and and that's where he's he seems to have excelled the most. Whereas I think Liam Martin, um, you know, he's there. I mean, look, I haven't got the stats on number of minutes played. That might, you know, you know, fact check me anyone. But look, um, at least in terms of, um, you know, my perception, uh, my subjective opinion is that. Uh, yeah, that Liam Martin seems to kind of be there through through thick and thin. Uh, obviously, he gets taken off as every player does, especially in the forwards for a bit of a break. But I tend to feel like you know he's there a little bit more than Harry Grant. But having said that, um, I've just had a look at the stats, and and you're right. I think he has actually topped the NRL by far in dummy half runs, by far the most number of dummy half runs. And 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 slightly tipped uh, won the most number of tackles. So, look, I think stats don't lie. <laughs> I'm I'm convincing myself that you, the stats are showing that yes, even though he at Origin level is a bit of an impact player, at the Storm he actually is an incredible workhorse. So, Tish, I think you've convinced me. Harry Grant is the winner of the Centurion Award this year. Well done, Harry. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, congratulations, Harry, sort of thing. I just I was thinking, how do we tie-break this, right? But then uh, I saw that he's also, uh, like, one of the leading fantasy uh, point winners. So, oh, is <laughs> so, it? <laughs> yeah, so, but, but I think those are work rate type statistics sometimes as well, right? So, yeah, but well done, uh, well done, Harry Grant. So, yeah. Uh, wonderful, but look, two great players. I think Lee Martin is always going to be up there too, so he's probably going to win it in the next few years, you know. So, yeah, that's true, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next one the Pontifex Maximum Award, which means Supreme Pontiff or Greatest Bridge Maker. It's awarded to the best referee in rugby league. So, we've had we've had Matt Checken, Graham Annesley, Gavin Badger, Grant Atkins winning previous awards. Matt Checken's actually won this three times from us. Uh, we've been so <laughs> impressed with him. But this year, I'm going to give it to Adam G, who actually uh, refereed the NRL Grand Final. And I have to say, he actually was very impressive in terms of letting the game flow. Uh, It's not the only game where he got a few kind of um, positive comments and and a good reputation this year for letting the game flow and letting the the footballers do their job um, and not interfering, which is very important. Uh, here's my nominee, Tish. Do you have anyone uh, different? Well, look, the only one that I that I kind of don't get upset with is uh, is Grant Atkins, <laughs> right? So, and he won it last year. So I was thinking, did Adam G like? Does he take this out because he was like phenomenally better at refereeing uh, than Grant Atkins? Like, I'm not sure. But look, you know what I would say is that Adam G, like that grand final, you are right. Like he kind of let the game just go, right? Like he didn't try and like make it the Adam G show, right? You know, featuring rugby league. You know, he made it, you know, it was rugby league, you know, and then Adam G was trying to uh, 
uh, yeah, just trying, but you know, obviously we pull up things. So I think, I think you're right. I think the style, uh, I think the style uh, that he sort of employed in the grand final. Now I don't think week in week out he's like that. I, you know, I feel like there is still a bit of a, you know, let's blow as many penalties as possible type sort of scenario with him. But I think that I think his performance in grand final. Uh, I think he also did the final, uh, you know, Pacific Test match as well, uh, and he may have done uh, Origin for the first time this year as well. So. Yeah, Adam G, you know, he's he's sort of becoming the the king of the referees. So I'm happy for Adam G. Well done, Adam G. I think I think well deserve it of the of the referee of the year. That's right. The Pontifex Maximum Award and Adam G, well done. All right, next award is the Imperator Award. This is for Imperator meaning commander, which is awarded to the best captain in rugby league. Uh, we have had uh, in the previous winners, we've had James Tedesco for two years running winning this award most recently. We've had Clint Gutherson, Boyd Cordner twice as well, and then Cam Smith as the inaugural winner of this award in 2017. This year, I think, Tish, it's pretty clear and pretty obvious that we're going for the team that won the grand final uh, has won the three-peat and in no small part due to the heroics of, you know, the captain courageous. Uh, uh, you know, a true captain is someone who, when the chips are down, takes the game by the scruff of the neck and and just gets the win. And I think we saw that absolutely 100% clearly in the grand final this year in the NRL uh, where Nathan Cleary, you know, just switched into high gear and completely took the game into his own hands, even though he himself wasn't playing super, super well up until probably the, you know, the, the beginning stages of the second half. And, and you know, the, the team was losing almost an unassailable lead, as I've said before, and somehow managed to kind of claw his way back, you know, 40-20 here and the try assist there decisions high iq decisions all over the place until finally he scored uh that winning try with only minutes to go um sealing their victory and a three-peat uh it's pretty clear that we both agree nathan cleary even though he was co-captain uh definitely embodied the values and the characteristics of a true captain um uh, in the, the the highest sense of the word uh for mine, Nathan Cleary. Tish, uh, your words about Nathan Cleary. I know you agree. Yeah, look, I absolutely agree. I think, uh, you know, he's shown great leadership qualities. I think he's gone up another level when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the, uh, you know, being able to lead the team, uh, you know, uh, as a captain in, in sort of all areas. But even when he's not captain, uh, you know, he seems to be the man playmaker, um, the main decision maker out there, really great game manager. And I think he's just gone to another level after that grand final performance, which nobody saw coming, right? You know, we all kind of felt that he he sort of... So I think he had that final destination. And look, I'm just looking at, at something else, which is quite interesting. You know, the Penrith Panthers actually lead when it comes to the most successful captain challenges. So that definitely, um, de- definitely shows uh, that he is, uh, you know, uh, you know, not only making great decisions on the field as as a you know as a leader, but also when it comes to refereeing decisions and being able to challenge the wrong ones, um, you know they're close to sixty percent of the time getting it right. Uh, unlike teams like the Sharks and the Warriors, who uh, you know got only four out of nine right. 
right or two <laughs> out of 13. So, yeah, so uh, definitely a, de- de- definitely an advantage uh, to not get so emo- – like, he's like – like, he doesn't even look emotional sometimes, you know? Uh, you saw a bit of emotion when he won the grand final, but throughout the whole game, he's, he's cool and collected under any circumstance. So, uh, yeah, what, what a leader. I think all hail the, the great Nathan Cleary. That's right. Imperator Award winner of the year. Well done. Look, the next one is the Parter Award. Parter meaning father. This is awarded to the best coach in rugby league. Uh, we have had uh, quite a an array of, of winners in the past. We've had Matt Parrish, who won it last year, obviously, for his Samoa antics there. We've got Ivan Cleary, Wayne Bennett, Christian Wolf, Trent Robinson, and Craig Bellamy. And this year I've gone uh, a bit uh, – well, I'll, I'll let you go first and then I'll, I'll yeah. provide my counter nomination. Go for it. Well, I've gone for Ivan Cleary. I think he's the first coach to have won, uh, what, three grand finals in a row. His side has made four grand finals in the last three years and I think he gets overlooked when it comes to being a great coach. Um, and, and part of the reason why is because he's had unparalleled success in the Sally Cap era. So – I think Ivan Cleary is is definitely deserving of this award, and uh, you know, you know, let's see who else is out there. But you know, I think think even some of the nominations, uh, you know, probably probably uh, other uh, coaches that might have uh, benefited from learning from Ivan as well. So <laughs> over to you, Doctor T. <laughs> That's a good. I think you've just made a very strong argument there for Cleary. Look, um, the person that you're alluding to, or one of is the coach who used to be assistant coach at the Panthers in the Ivan Cleary system, um, but he's now head coach of the Warriors, Andrew Webster, who I thought this year deserved coach of the year uh, for the Warriors. I don't think anyone expected them to go as far as they did, and they really did get close <laughs> to to the grand final this year. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Um, he also, you know, it's not just the on-field kind of... Uh, uh, I guess successes that he's had. It's also the off-field things. You know, we've talked about during the year how he's managed to kind of create a very strong identity for the Warriors that has allowed them to to kind of thrive and flourish in that environment, and also to bring new crowds along with them. And it's just so much fun to be a Warriors fan, despite all the stuff that they've had to go through in the previous years. And a lot of that is down to Andrew Webster and the decisions that he's made. If you compare him to the success or not no success really of uh, Cameron Seraldo at the Bulldogs, who was also a uh, a deputy uh, kind of assistant coach there for Ivan Cleary at the Panthers last year, um, chalk and cheese. And so to me, you know, there's something about Andrew Webster. He's got the the coaching brain behind him, and also the some success this year. He very much is a holistic coach. But look, as much as I want to really advocate strongly for Andrew Webb. So I do think he, he deserves it. I can't go past Ivan Cleary. I think you are you are right that you can't really go past the coach that has set up the success that he has at the Panthers. Uh, three in a row, first time in a generation in 40 years since my Eels team <laughs> in the early 80s has any team uh, done this in, in uh, rugby league here in Australia. Um, <clears throat> that is nothing to be scoffed at. But furthermore, I think... Um, he's done that while he's lost some very key players as well this year. Uh, he's lost uh, Appy, of course, Kikau. You know, these were extremely solid players. Um, 
the test will come though in the near future. He's going to lose Stephen Crichton. He might he may even lose Jerome Luai. So the uh, the the spine, uh, you know, is uh, and, and more will be decimated. But Ivan Cleary, such as the coach that he is, I think you can be confident if you're a Panthers fan that he will uh, he will be the best coach going around to guide your team to uh, if not a fourth premiership, at least close to one. Uh, or fourth in a row, I mean, close to one. So, look, I'll I'll stick with you. Part of award winner, Ivan Cleary, best coach in rugby league. Well done. Congratulations. Now, let's move to the Caesar Award. Now, Caesar meaning ruler. This is awarded to the best male player in the world. Um, and in previous years, we've had last year, Nathan Cleary. We've also had... Tommy Trubojevic, James Tedesco for three years in a row, <laughs> and then we ha- and we also had Jason Taumalolo as well. So some very prestigious names there um, uh, who have won the Caesar Award in the past. Um, I think it's clear to say, given what we spoke about earlier, um, you know, it's tempting to go for the Dali M Award winner, but this. I think what we find is that the Dali M really tells you a lot about the regular season and which players are in, the most important to their team. But when it comes finals and especially the grand final, this is where the real uh, cream rises to the top. And I think there's no doubt this year that this grand final this year in the NRL cemented Nathan Cleary as the best player in the game, despite the fact he's got players like Kalen Ponga, Reese Walsh, um, you know, you name it, other players that, that are kind of nipping at his heels. I think... Nathan Cleary, uh, in my view, clearly, uh, clearly Cleary <laughs> ahead of the rest. What do you think, Nathan Cleary, Tish? Yeah, look, I uh, look, I, I agree. I'm, you know, I think Nathan Cleary is winning this award this year. Um, I think the player that probably is the closest and could win it if you sort of break down. Okay, you got the regular season, you got the post season, you know, semi-finals and the final, grand final. Then you have the internationals, you have state of origin, right? If you think about breaking that down, you know, Reese Walsh has been a clear standout for the regular season and you know the the postseason, uh, as well as origin. Uh, but obviously, you know, that little incident, uh, you know, that caused him to get suspended with the, you know, with that brawl at the end, and you know, uh, and also strangely not being featured for Australia has kind of put him back a peg. I know Nathan didn't have that as well. Uh, but ultimately, look, you know, like, so I think, Nathan, I think that on the back of the grand final, I think is, is what the real main reason, I think, that I've, I've, I've sort of independently gone for him. Um, and I just don't think that you could say that there's any other player that could match uh, having, like, you, you, you can't trade him for anybody else. As good as Reese is, I don't think you can trade him for anybody else because if you've got him in your team, you know your team is going to get to a certain level with him there. So, uh, absolutely phenomenal player, and uh, yeah, I think I think I think uh, you know uh, I think yeah, this was his season, wasn't it? This year, despite you know his third season in a row winning a premiership, it's unbelievable. So, well done, Nathan Cleary. Yeah, well done, Caesar Award winner of twenty twenty three, Nathan Cleary. Well done. All right, moving on to the Livia Drusilla Award. And Livia Drusilla was the first female Empress of Rome. So we are awarding this to the best female player in the world. Now, in previous years, we had um, Millie Boyle last year, the winner, 
Prior to that, we've had Isabel Kelly, Ali Brigginshaw, and Jessica Sergis. This year, I think there is no doubt. We both agree on this one. Um, from the Newcastle Knights, the winner of the M Women's uh, Player of the Year Award, uh, dominant, uh, you know, even in, in the, um, uh, the recent Pacific Cup performances, uh, dominant in the NRLW, uh, deserved winner, the fullback of the Newcastle Knights, Tamika Upton, in my mind, uh, this year has kind of elevated herself to easily the best player in the world. Um, despite the fact there's, you know, some of those players around her have previously won this award, a very prestigious award. But Tamika this year has really had a breakout year. Um, and it's just been exciting. A, a rugged player, really, uh, you know, um, and also premiership winner as well. So you can't go past her, I think, Tamika Upton. Tish, what are your thoughts on Tamika? Yeah, look, I absolutely agree with you. I think Tamika Upton, uh, you know, in the women's game, when she is there, she almost looks like she's playing at another level and she's playing at the highest level. So I think Tamika Upton has been fantastic. Got some really good instincts as a player. Um, I think she's also uh, representing Queensland as well, uh, who won the Origin Series as well, right? So I think I think Tamika Upton has been, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, so well done to Mika Upton. Uh, a, br- a bit of a breakout, like you know, she hasn't won this one uh, award before, but uh, well done to Tamika. All right, Tamika, the Livia Drusilla Award winner for this year. Well done. Um, now let's move on to the console award winner. So, console meaning highest official, and this award is for the best administrator in rugby league. So, in years gone by, we've had uh, well, Phil Gould has won this two years in a row. We've had Peter Volandis. We've had Ralph Rimmer, the CEO of the RFL. Um, this year I'm going to go for, uh, you know, continuing the theme that I mentioned earlier with Adam, uh, sorry, Andrew Webster at the Warriors. I'm going to nominate Cameron George, who is the New Zealand Warriors CEO, as the best administrator in rugby league this year partially because of what's been happening on the field with the Warriors and everything he's done to support Andrew Webster in his first role as head coach of the NRL, of an NRL team. Um, But partially also for everything he does kind of around that and to build the Warriors brand, to build the Warriors community. I think I've not seen any coach um, be as passionate about the community side of things Sorry, sorry, any uh, administrator be as passionate as the, around the community side of things as I have Cameron George. Um, we spoke during this year, Tish, if you remember, a couple of times around some of the interviews, uh, one, one in particular interview that he uh, gave to a New Zealand radio uh, radio team uh, around, who really dug into the, the reasons why the Warriors were successful this year. And a lot of it has to do with his... Um, his building of the brand is or well, rebuilding of the brand, but also the the, the really strong focus on community uh, and and making it a fans the fans experience. He's he's given some ideas, and we we spoke about in a previous podcast around what can we do to improve the game. He's very strongly suggested that there should be a uh, you know definitely more international games being played, but he's also suggested that uh, the next NRL team should actually be based out of New Zealand so that we could actually get, you know, every week a game in New Zealand 
um, uh, in of rugby league, and also the the uh, potential derby rivalry there with the Warriors. So you know, what kind of <laughs> what kind of CEO actually wants more competition so that it builds their own part of the pie? And I think that that is a really really strong case in my mind for Cameron George being the best administrator in rugby league this year. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, uh, you know, the big story this year is obviously the new team, uh, the Dolphins, and it's really hard to get a franchise up and running in 2023 in an established competition. Uh, so I've nominated CEO of the Dolphins, Terry Reader. I originally had Wayne Bennett in there, but it just realized, you know, he's, he's really just the coach, right? But all the behind <laughs> the scenes and making it work. Uh, Terry Reader, I think, you know, obviously, you know, it's been a big story, However, I think that story of the Dolphins and how good Queensland Rugby League has gone this year, uh, you know, with the Broncos and everything like that, I think that's been overshadowed by the New Zealand Warriors, right? Uh, just their ability to get themselves out of one of the, the lowest teams into the top eight. Also, you know, bringing back a bit of the culture of New Zealand to to the Warriors as well as as a thing, you know, with their appreciation, uh, the way the fans have got behind the team. I think the way Cameron George has actually, you know, fought hard for New Zealand, the New Zealand Warriors and New Zealand Rugby League in general, uh, kind of been abandoned by every other uh, uh, NRL club except for the West Tigers in terms of, like, giving up a home game for the Warriors to try and pay back the fans. Um, but the fans have not abandoned rugby league in New Zealand. In fact, I think the rugby league uh, fandom has grown, and I think it's a big part has to do with the New Zealand Warriors and what Cameron George has done. And look, let's look. Let, let's face it; they won also the Pacific Championship as well. Uh, you know, and I think just that momentum that rugby league has in New Zealand is fantastic. And uh, you know, uh, so so yeah. So look, I'm going to have to go with Cameron George. I think. I think you've convinced me, Dr. T. I think well-deserved of the console award. Well done, Cameron. All right, next award is the Pious Felix Award for uh, meaning pious and blessed. And uh, this is awarded to the person or group who has done the most to live up to the community ideals of rugby league. So we have had, uh, mostly we've had players actually in the past. We've had Cody Walker, Ronaldo Molitala, Connor Watson, and Alan Tung as previous recipients of this award. Um, Tish, my nomination for, uh, is actually a group. It's not an individual. And sticking with the theme of, of Cameron George and the Warriors and etc., I'm actually going to put um, the Warriors fans as uh, the group that has done the most to live up to the community ideals of rugby league. I think Warriors fans have had to put up so much over the last few years with COVID, not having been able to see their team, not being able to support their team, and with all the the kind of um, the lockdowns and the quarantining, and you know, living and and working and playing in only one state, etc. It's really hit the Warriors the hardest, as you've suggested earlier. But I think the Warriors fans have responded very well this year with back to normal kind of NRL. We have seen their crowds be absolutely phenomenal, not just in terms of numbers, but just also in terms of their their uh, their attitude. Um, it's just it seems like it's so much fun to be at a Warriors home game, <laughs> and mm. and and it's just like what can you say? In no other club have I seen it as exciting. I know we've seen Newcastle. Like honorable mention in my mind is obviously the Newcastle Knights fans as well. 
Um, you know, initially they struggled and they've had lots of struggles this year um, as a team. But then with, I believe, with their home home crowd consistently getting them, you know, big numbers, lots of people. They're usually on a Sunday afternoon with a sunny, sunny Newcastle behind you. Um, you know, that has also lifted the spirits of the Knights up to the point where they got into the finals. Um, and, you know, we're, we're almost going deep into the finals as well. So I think with the Newcastle Knights fans, as the Honourable mentioned, my nomination as the Warriors fans, um, Tish, do you have an alternative nomination? Yeah, well, look, I was actually just going to say uh, the NRL fans as, like, in general, because obviously the crowds have been up this year. I think the ratings have been up as well. I just think, and I think the memberships have been up and, you know, rugby league seems to be growing in Australia and New Zealand. I think that's great. Uh, however, I just do recall earlier in the season, we did actually uh, touch on this before, about the New Zealand Warriors having, uh, you know, their record number of fans uh, ever since their inaugural season, right? And, you know, and like, you know, it's easy to say, well, these guys are winning, so obviously the fans are going to come back. But I believe the fans came back before they started winning, right? Pretty sure that they were having record-breaking crowds before they were even a top eight team. So I think uh, when it comes to that, I think the New Zealand Warriors fans, uh, congratulations. Um, and I believe probably the first ever, well, group of fans to win a, an award. Well done to the nation of New Zealand and their NRL fans. Well done. Pius Felix Award winners for 2023. And look, we are at our final award, which is the Princeps or Princeps Award, which means first citizen. Now, this is awarded to the person or group who has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league. Um, previous winners, last year we had Samoa, obviously for their um, World Cup uh, heroics. We've also had Benji Marshall, We've had Peter Volandis. We've had the Tongan national team and Tonga fans winning this. We've had Jason Taumalolo. We've also had Eric Perez of the Toronto Wolfpack and the our inaugural winners of this award, obviously, uh, prestigiously, the Latin Heat. So, look, we have gone the gamut of fans, <laughs> you know, country, individuals, everything really have won this award. Um, really, this this is kind of like the pinnacle. I think it's it's the individual or group that we want to really uh, put on a pedestal as really been having done the most for the game of rugby league to make it a better game. Um, and look, my nomination here. Look, I was going to honorable mention goes to the city of Las Vegas, who has agreed to have <laughs> to host the NRL in twenty twenty four. Have Ronald not cancelled it yet. That's right. They haven't, uh, you know, they've 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 begrudgingly accepted that there there will probably be some shenanigans at various Las Vegas hotels with all these NRL players going there all at once. But well done to Las Vegas. But no, seriously, my nomination is really Michael Maguire, who, as New Zealand Kiwis coach, um, in the final of the Pacific Cup, <laughs> managed to with that that performance against a Kangaroos team that is the World Cup winner that in the previous game had, uh, well, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, you could say they've kind of flogged uh, the Kiwis uh, in, in the previous kind of non, uh, you know, game before the final. Um, completely turned it around to the point that not only did 
the New Zealand Kiwis team win that Pacific Cup, which was a big feat in itself. Not only did they defeat the world champion Australian Kangaroos that were in form up until that point, um, they did it at home. They did it, uh, you know, with, you know, with a team really he did it with a team that last year disappointed really in the uh i think you could say in the world cup in terms of their performance they didn't really do as well as we would have expected so he's managed to turn that team around to the point where not only have they won a trophy already uh against the australian kangaroos but they did it well two two other things they did it in uh without conceding a point it was 30 nil so to put, uh, you know, to not concede a point against an Australian Kangaroos lineup that has, you know, firepower and attacking power, firepower everywhere, um, is a mass- massive feat. And the other massive feat is they did it w- with a record score. So they they delivered the heaviest defeat that Australia has ever encountered in Test football, uh, in Test rugby league. Um, all of this, <laughs> you know, is down to Michael Maguire. Um, and because of that, and you might think, well, why, how could you give this award to one coach for one game only, really? But it was a very important game, and it was a historic game. And, and it's not every year you have a historic um, uh, performance or a uh, set of performances that that really uh, puts the Australian Kangaroos down a notch and reminds them that there are other teams out there that – uh, are trying their best and consistently trying to um, steal that mantle of best team in the world. And I think the fact that Michael Maguire has done that, he's brought his success that he's had in the UK Super League. He delivered the uh, the Rabbitohs their first premiership in 40-something years in 2014. And now he's got that same Midas touch for the New Zealand Kiwis, having delivered them success where they haven't had any really for several years. Um, I can't go past Michael Maguire as the the one individual on this occasion that has done the most to revitalise international rugby league. Tish, what do you think? Well, um, you know, you're uh, I believe Dr. T, you're basing this from one game, right? <laughs> and what result? Um, but then, you know, uh, this sort of thoughts that came to my mind, right? Which was the NRL Grand Final at halftime was eight nil. Right, and uh, you know, normally you need a man to uh, sort of make uh, you know, to sort of uh, to sort of turn it around, but this time we had a man, we had Ezra man, right, for for 10 minutes, you know, and they got the Brockers out of nowhere, right, which made it super exciting, right? So, talking about improving the game and making it uh, forward because then you had people like all around the world sort of commenting, and so I thought that's it, but look, I, th- I think. <laughs> I kind of went another little, you know, I think I know in, in 2022 we went the Spawn uh, team, uh, but I've just gone for New Zealand as a nation, <laughs> right? We talked about the New Zealand fans before. I just think that, like, let, you know, rugby league needed New Zealand to be strong again. I know you sort of pinned it on the coach uh, of the national team, but I think I, I don't want to uh, – I'll probably say that the advancement also came from the Warriors as well. Uh, obviously, the Warriors have had pretty tragic last couple of years due to COVID, and you know have had you know horrible time in trying to retain players. Now they've gone, you know, they went in with an assistant coach 
from the Panthers. And he was the other one, not the one that everybody wanted as well. But they've been able to turn it around and, you know, the, the fans getting out there and, you know, up the wires has become a, you know, has become a thing as well. So they've had uh, a bit of a, you know, uh, a, like, you know, talk about Sean Johnson having a renaissance, right? So I think the, I think the whole vibe of what's happening in rugby league in New Zealand, I think has 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 gone uh, has gone to another level. So I know last year we picked, you know, sort of Samoan rugby league. I, I think New Zealand rugby league has really brought the game, expanded the game forward this year uh, as a whole. I'm tempted to say PNG, but I think because. No, yeah, but I think we'll talk about PNG more next year about what's what's about to happen with the the P, with PNG as well. But I think for this year, I think you know, if I was to think about one particular organisation slash people that actually brought the game forward more than anybody else, I think it's you know our cousins from across the ditch. I think it's the New Zealand Rugby League fans. All right, so look, we got a tough one then because uh, I'm I've put Michael Maguire as the catalyst for all this, but mm. you're suggesting uh, are you suggesting New Zealand as in the fans of New Zealand, uh, similar to what we what we did? Uh, well, we had the New Zealand Warriors fans Warriors. for the yeah. So oh, look, mm. I I I think I think that's a fair call. Like I'm I'm focusing more on the fact that they that Michael Maguire has turned around the fortunes of the cl- the team itself, the New Zealand Kiwis, and, and you know, performed a historic feat this year. And, yes, I'm basing it mainly on one game. So probably that's not enough. But I, I would actually say I would agree with you that potentially taking into account the previous winner, uh, New Zealand Warriors fans, but also adding the fact that you've got, you know, New Zealand, uh, the Kiwis fans in general uh, have turned out um, and and sort of supported um, the game and done a lot to improve the game. Um, are you suggesting New Zealand fans to win the first Citizens Award for this year? <laughs> yeah, the nation of New Zealand. Yeah, I think I think New Zealand rugby league fans. Or New, I don't know how much the administrative, like the actual body itself, but I think New Zealand rugby, New Zealand fans definitely. Um, yeah, because they've supported everything. I mean. Uh, we also take Pacific Tests out to New Zealand as well, and they get massive audiences as well, right? So, I think I think the New Zealand fans have done a lot for rugby league this year, um, and uh, let's recognise them. What do you say, Doctor T? I, I say I agree. All right, New Zealand fans, well done. Rugby league fans in particular. I mean, you have won the Princeps Award, first citizens uh, of the Rugby League Republic. Well done, um, twenty twenty three winners. So there you go. Look. We have just gone through 14 very prestigious awards in the 8th Annual Rugby League Republic Awards for 2023, and we have come to an end. Tish, um, this is our final podcast of the year. I want to just thank you quickly for everything you've done this year to keep this podcast running smoothly, as smoothly as we can, Um, and you've done a really great job uh, as my uh, partner in crime here on the Rugby League Republic. We've had lots of interesting debates, lots of great ideas. Um, This is, uh, you know, obviously our passion project, and and, uh, for those of you out there, I also want to shout out to those of you that are listening. There's quite a few of you out there all across the world, and big shout out to those on the complete opposite side of the world over there in the north of England. Uh, in particular, but but there are other pockets of fans in other places. I want a big shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for 
allowing us to keep this going and uh, for feeding us with your um, with your attention and interest in rugby league, the greatest game of all. We couldn't do this without you. Um, Tish, for the final time in 2023, I'm going to throw to you to wrap this up. Yes, and thank you, Dr. T, and I want to thank you for being my partner in crime, uh, not just for this year, but all these other years. I think uh, it's been fun, and obviously we can't do it with our fans. But, you know, that's all the time that we have for this year on the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next year for the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.